The Lot Teaser Making serious a lot easier This podcast is powered by Faria de Oliveira Advogados Law Firm On this week's episode, Tiffany & Co. American Luxury Jewelry agreed to a $15.8 billion deal with the French LVMH group Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy. New Zealanders approved the End of Life Choice Act, legalizing euthanasia, and Chilean citizens voted to draft an entire new constitution. Turkish president filed a criminal complaint against Dutch far-right leader for insulting him on social media. And a Hong Kong court charged former pro-independence group leader with crimes under the new 2020 national security law. Also today is a day of America's fateful 2020 elections, Trump versus Biden. We'll keep an eye on it. By the way, don't forget to follow, rate and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Let's go! Breakfast at Tiffany's is still possible. Last Thursday, Tiffany & Co. American Luxury Jewelry, founded in 1837 by Charles Lewis Tiffany, agreed to a $15.8 billion deal with the French Louis Vuitton Moet-Hensy LVMH Group. A deal was closed after several months of tense and stressful negotiations. Tiffany will finally be bought at $131.50 per share, a little bit less from the original price of $135 per share, saving about $425 million of the original price tag, which made this purchase, in any case, one of the largest acquisitions in the luxury retail business. Tiffany is now alongside with other 75 luxury brands such as Bulgari, Dior, Fendi and Louis Vuitton. However, the transaction will be finalized in the beginning of 2021, first subject to Tiffany's shareholders' approval, who will be paid a dividend of 58 cents per share. In fact, this deal, which was originally signed last year, fell to the ground in September 2020 when LVMH pulled a drama queen card and said it had to walk away after the French government asked to delay the acquisition due to trade tensions between Paris and Washington. Nonetheless, rumor has it LVMH tried multiple times to lower the price of the deal without any success, alleging Tiffany's catastrophic performance 
and future difficulties, all due to coronavirus pandemic. Therefore, Tiffany decided to file a lawsuit to force LVMH to complete the deal at the original terms, at $16.2 billion dollars in a Delaware court, alleging breach of obligations while LVMH countersued, saying the damage to Tiffany in 2020 meant it was no longer the same company it had agreed to acquire in November 2019. However, the conflict came to an end when both companies agreed to the new terms. Hence, the Arnaud family-owned Louis Vuitton Group stated that, quoting, we will be proud to have Tiffany sit alongside our iconic brands and look forward to ensuring that Tiffany continues to thrive for centuries to come. We guess Audrey Hepburn would be proud. right to choose when to go. The New Zealand's Electoral Commission announced last Friday the results of a referendum held in October 17. So, what happened? New Zealanders approved the End of Life Choice Act where 62.5% voted in favor of legalizing euthanasia. The vote makes New Zealand the seventh country in the world to legalize assisted dying. This act, which was approved last year by the parliament, will now enter into force in November 2021, given the referendum's result is binding. It allows people to choose to end their life if they have less than six months to live and have the approval of two doctors. But beforehand, there are other requirements. First, a discussion must be held between the practitioner and the patient before assisted dying is chosen, explaining everything, including the reversibility of euthanasia and encouraging the patient to reflect and discuss their choice with medical professionals as well as their family. Second, the assisted death must be done by their attending medical practitioner, who must remain available until the patient passes away, which means in the same room or nearby. On the other hand, citizens decided to vote against legalizing cannabis on a second referendum question, since only 46.1 voted to legalize it. This all comes after Jacinda Ardern had won a second term as New Zealand's Prime Minister after her success at handling the country's coronavirus outbreak, which helped her party, the Labour Party, secure 64 out of 120 parliamentary seats. Meanwhile, on the other side of the Pacific, Chilean citizens voted to draft an entire new constitution by the Convention of 155 elected members in order to replace former guiding principles put in place four decades ago under General Augusto Pinochet's military dictatorship, as well as to reflect their demands for healthcare, pension, 
and education reforms. The Manchin Convention has to draft it over the next nine months, possibly extended up to three months. The new rules will ensure that men and women are given equal footing in the convention election process due to take place on April 11, 2021. And after convention members are fairly selected, proposals must be approved by a two-thirds majority. By mid-2022, the country will hold a referendum to approve or reject the draft constitution. Therefore, the will of the people shall be heard. Someone has a temper. Last week, Turkish President Erdogan filed a criminal complaint against Dutch far-right leader Geert Wilders at Turkish courts, alleging Wilders insulted him on social media. Does Turkey have jurisdiction? According to Erdogan's lawyer, yes, given insults were directed at Turkey's president. Therefore, the matter falls within Turkey's jurisdiction also claiming insults are not protected under freedom of expression. These insults could be described as negative qualities that hurt someone's honor, dignity or decorum, aka a criminal libel. This is not the first time President Erdogan has sued someone over alleged insults in Turkey, which sentences prison for four years. For example, last September, Erdogan sued Greek newspaper over an insulting headline using the F-word against him. Ouch. But what did Wilders do? He posted a cartoon of Erdogan with a caption terrorist and an illustration of a sinking ship with a Turkish flag and a caption promoting the removal of Turkey from NATO. And this is not the first time Erdogan and Wilders have been fighting. In 2011, Erdogan sued Wilders in a hate speech trial for comparing Islam to Nazism and advocating for banning the Quran, which he was acquitted. Last September, an appeals court acquitted him of a discrimination while upholding a conviction for intentionally insulting Moroccans. He has also called for taxing the hijab. So, he's no gentleman either. Although Dutch Prime Minister called the lawsuit a violation of freedom of speech, we have to legally analyze how far can we take this freedom. How can we balance both protected rights, which are freedom of religion and freedom of expression? The point is that no so-called freedom has the right to surpass, overlap or insult another person's freedom. And this is only the beginning. A Hong Kong court charged former pro-independence group leader Tony Chong last week with secession, sedition, 
and money laundering under a new national security law adopted by China's legislative body in June of this year. Chang was member and leader of Student Localism, a pro-independence group now extinct that defended the separation of Hong Kong from mainland China. When did this all happen? After many protests that disrupted in Hong Kong in 2019. These protests, also known as the Anti-Extradition Law Amendment Bill Movement, were triggered by the introduction of the Fugitive Offenders Amendment Bill by the Hong Kong government, which would have allowed extradition to jurisdictions with which Hong Kong did not have extradition agreements, including mainland China and Taiwan. Even though the Fugitive Offenders Amendment Bill didn't enter into force, the law of the People's Republic of China on safeguarding national security in the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region did. This national security law aims directly at Hong Kong protesters and bans acts such as quoting secession, subversion, terrorism and collusion with a foreign country or external elements to endanger national security with a maximum penalty of life imprisonment. Chong was arrested outside the United States consulate for his alleged involvement and activities in the organization, charged with secession, sedition for allegedly conspiring to publish seditious articles from November 2018 to June 2020, and money laundering charges for his handling of around $90,000 in the organization and not entitled to bail. However, this is not the first case under the new national security law. The first person who was charged of crimes of separatism and terrorism in August 2020 was Tong Ying Kit, 23 years old, who was carrying a sign reading Liberate Hong Kong, Revolution of Our Times and drove his motorbike into officers before falling over and getting arrested, as well as his Abish Corpus was denied. But something that we find really weird is the fact that there's a principle in criminal law that is called the principle of non-retroactivity, which means that a law can only be applied to an act that occurs after the law was adopted and entered into force. Well, the national security law was signed, sealed, delivered on June 30, 2020. So how can the Hong Kong court charge these two citizens for acts committed before this law entered into force? That is why people in Hong Kong began eliminating their profiles on social media and avoided being connected to any movement whatsoever. Some rule through respect and others rule by fear. That was it! Hope you enjoyed the legal issues of last week. TLT is excited to see you next Tuesday. Always making serious a lot easier.